Fall is obviously here, isn't it? Oh my goodness, I'm not, I don't know if I was quite ready for it, but I know we're going to have some hot days yet, but do you realize that we're not that far away from snow? Now, I hate to say that, but we're a lot closer than we were yesterday, <laughs> praise the Lord. Uh, you know, have you, I don't know, has anybody else noticed that we get snow in October now? I can I can tell you, like nine out of the last 10 years, we've had snow before October 31st or on October 31st. Oh, my goodness gracious. So it's time to get out, you know, prepare, get the yard work done, get everything ready, get your fertilizer down, get your seed down, get get your snow blower ready, put your, get your mower cleaned up, get your, get, get your wood cut, praise the Lord. And we need to prepare for what's coming in the kingdom of God as well. What's coming in the kingdom of God is such a wonderful, wonderful move and expression. It's a revival that is coming that is going to see souls one in every nation of the world. It's gonna be a return to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And, and I know that we all love Jesus, but I do believe that each and every one of us, including myself, can take a step forward in letting him truly be our Lord. Jesus longs to be your provider. He, lo he longs to be your healer. He longs to be the one who sanctifies you. He, he longs to be the one who protects you. He, he longs to baptize you with power. And he longs to be the king that you can't wait to see return. That's what that is up there. That's exactly what that is. But guys, for him to do those things for us, he must be the Lord of our lives. It's awful hard for Jesus to be consistently Savior in areas of your life where you're not allowing him to be Lord. And that doesn't mean that you're beaten down, and that doesn't mean that you have... You're just subservient all the time. It means that your heart is open to be led. Everybody say be led. Amen. Pastor Needs and I have noticed over the last two decades in the body of Christ, there are people who love Jesus with all their heart. They say they love God with all of their heart. They attend church. They read their Bible on occasion. But, but it seems like they never seem to come out on top. They seem to be on the bottom. They, they never seem to be in the front. They seem to be on the tail of things. They, they don't seem to be blessed. As a matter of fact, sometimes they seem like they, 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 they deal with the curse more than they experience the blessing. And so Pastor Nietzsche and I have talked back and forth throughout the years, and, and we've discovered nine things, nine habits that people who seem to overcome in Christ that they, that they participate in, that they do on, on sometimes a daily basis. Nine habits of an overcoming follower of Christ. And these nine habits are, we would say back in the day when I was in Bible school, maybe we'd call them Christian disciplines. You know, th things that we do on a daily basis. And without these nine things, it seems like life is frustrating. Life is difficult, that life happens to us instead of us living the abundant life that Jesus came 
to provide for us. And so we've been sharing these and I hope you're getting them because they're not difficult. They're just little, little changes in our lives that'll take you from being on the bottom to the top, that'll take you from being defeated to being more than a conqueror. The first is that, that we put the word of God first in our life. The second habit is that we are we are continually in prayer. And for those of you who haven't been with us, that doesn't mean you're on your knees 24 hours a day. It means that your heart is open to God and you're talking to him throughout the day. Number three, we consider our ways. We judge ourselves on a regular basis. I'm still getting a ringing in, that, in the speaker up here. If somebody could take care of that, please. We continually judge ourselves. We consider not, not what did I do wrong. Everybody, listen to me, please. When you judge yourself, if you, you're asking yourself what you did wrong, you're going to live a defeated life because destruction, uh, guilt, and shame, and condemnation will begin to rule you. But instead, what we do is we look at our lives and we say, what could I do better? How could I have handled that situation in a more godly way? How could I have been more gracious? How could I have, how could I have made it so that I didn't blow up and maybe I communicated what, what God wanted me to? So we put the word of God first in our lives. We, we're continually in prayer and we judge ourselves. And today we're going to talk about the habit of being missional. Everybody say missional. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, chapter verse 10 says we have been recreated in Christ Jesus to do good works that he prepared in advance for us to do the word of God also says that he knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb you were recreated in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared for you before the foundation of the world because he knew you not by name but he knew you deeply and intimately. Every single person in this room, every single person that's listening online today, you were born with a purpose. You were born with a mission. You were recreated in Christ Jesus so you could do that mission because there were things that were in us that Jesus needed to, to take the stronghold out and put power in you so you could do what he called you to do, what he prepared for you to do, so you could fulfill the mission for your life. A life without purpose is usually a depressed life. A, a life without vision, listen, a life without vision for the future is a life without power today. And so if we don't know what our mission is, if we don't know what our purpose is, if we don't know why God put us here on the earth, if we don't know why we were recreated in Christ Jesus, what, what we're supposed to do, then we lack power in our life today. Let me say it again. A life without vision for your future is a life without purpose today. A life without power today. A life without strength today. Because if you see, if you don't see a future, and I'm not talking a future that you create out of your own mind, out of your own imagination. I'm talking about a future that God has for you, a destiny that he has for you. Our job as a Christian is to find out what that is and then to do everything that we can to fulfill it. Are you with me this morning? 
Now, your, your mission is the same as the mission of the person next to you. The purpose of you being recreated in Christ, the purpose of the mission is the same as the purpose as the mission of the person on the other side of the room from you. Now, now you may have something more, more, more detailed, more, more different in a category, like, like, like Cole's purpose in this season right now is to lead us into worship. My, my purpose is to equip you. Your purpose is to win souls. My, what I do is to help you win souls. What Cole does is to help you get connected to God so you can win souls, so that you can reproduce yourself. Everybody say mission. So there are two things in the Bible we're going to talk about today. If we're going to be missional, then that means we have purpose. And, and the, the Word of God says if you delight yourself in the Lord, that He'll give you the desires of your heart. And if you delight yourself in the Lord, you're going to find out that God put those desires in you. If you're going to delight yourself in the Lord, you're going to put the kingdom of God first. And what did Jesus, how did Jesus call his men? How did Jesus call the disciples? What did he call them and ask them to do? He said, come and I'll make you what? Say it again. Come and I'll make you fishers of men. And, and that is what we are all called to. We may have a different part to play in being fishers of men. We're to draw in men into the kingdom of God. We're to reproduce ourselves in the kingdom of God. We're to share our faith. I didn't say get up on a pulpit and proclaim. I didn't say preach. I didn't say get on the airways. Just share your faith with someone else. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, we're going to start there. When, when Jesus was with his disciples, he went through all the towns and villages, and he was teaching and preaching, and he was healing the sick. And the sick were getting well, and there were miracles everywhere he went. And, and he got to a place, and he looked out, and he saw a crowd that was bigger than what I can describe because I believe with all my heart, he not only saw the people that were there, he saw the people that would be on the earth later. And it says here in verse 36, when he saw the crowds, Jesus had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest, pray to the, to the one who's in charge of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. Let me read that again. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send out more workers into his field. I want you to get a picture of this. So Jesus is probably up at a higher place, kind of like this, and because he, he has to see above the heads to see the crowd. And he's seeing a mass of people that is so big, he realizes that he can't touch them all. That he, he physically, because Jesus came as a man, he could not go throughout the whole crowd and reach them all. And I do believe that he saw beyond the crowd that was there, and he saw to the people that are on the earth today, 8 billion people on the planet today. And Jesus didn't say, pray that money comes into the ministry so we could reach the lost. He, 
He didn't say pray, pray that, that we could raise up, you know, everything that's needed so that we could reach the lost. He, he, did, he didn't have a money problem. He didn't have an anointing problem. He didn't have a miracle problem. He had a people problem. And Jesus knew that if he would die that, and, and raise again, that he would become many. We are the body of Christ. But if he were to stay alive, he'd only be one. Now, I'm not going to go deep into theology, but if you're born again, you're a child of God. If you're born again, you're part of the body of Christ. He's the head and you're the body. You're an extension of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, wouldn't it be terrible if your body wouldn't do what you wanted it to do? If you told your body to walk and it wouldn't walk, if you told your body to, to reach for that cup and it wouldn't reach, wouldn't it, what would you do if you told your body, I, I want you to get up out of this recliner and it wouldn't get up? You, you would go to the doctor, wouldn't you? You say, why isn't my body doing what I'm telling it to do? Why is it responding? And, and many, many of you have done that. You've gone to the doctor and said, well, you got this, this, and that, and the other thing. Okay, <clears throat> well, now, now help, me get, help me fix this. The body of Christ needs a doctor. Because it's not doing what Jesus commanded us to do or commissioned us to do. But listen, if you want to live a life that is above the curse, if you want to live a life that is productive, if you want to live a life that's ahead and not the tail, if you, want to, if you want to live a life that is victorious and not one that's being conquered, then we need to do what the head is telling us to do. And if you look in the scriptures, there are five places after the resurrection that Jesus talked to the disciples that are recorded in the scripture. And every one of those five places, he talks about his mission for the church. When I, when I used to travel a great deal and I'd go overseas, I knew before I left, because, uh, for, for example, when I went into Pakistan, when I went into the Congo and there was still war there, when I went into Liberia right after the Civil War and there were still armies, you know, that were still firing at each other, when I went to those places, I knew before I left I wanted to give directives to my family. I wanted to not only say goodbye in case I didn't come home, but I wanted to tell everybody how much I loved them. I wanted to say something that, that could lead or impact their lives far beyond my, my being with them if I didn't come home. So, so in other words, what I said before I left was a little bit more weighty than my normal conversation. Are you here, understanding what I'm trying to say? So Jesus is getting ready to ascend to the Father. He's going to be gone for quite a period of time. It's been 2,000 years right now. And what he said is what he meant, and what he meant is what he said. And he gave us purpose in these, these five places in the Scripture where it's recorded what he wanted to do. Luke chapter 19, verse 10 tells us the purpose. Jesus said, for the Son of Man, I have come to seek and to save the lost. The crowds that are harassed and confused are like sheep without a shepherd. 
And Jesus knew they needed a shepherd. They needed to come not only into his flock, but they needed to be shepherded by, by pastors and teachers and, and leaders in the body of Christ. Second, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 says, God wants not only us, but everyone to be saved, you know. Everyone to get to know the truth we've learned, that there is one God and only one, and one priest and mediator between God and us, and that is Jesus. God wants everyone to be saved. And I know, I know you guys know this, but faith comes by hearing. And, and hearing by the word, hearing about the good news of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone sharing it with them? Guess who's supposed to be sharing it? Say that again. Who's supposed to be sharing it? But hold on now. You know you do this just as much as I used to. Who do you, who do you act like is supposed to share the message? Say it again. The preacher, the teacher, the pastor. But guys, if Jesus couldn't reach all of the lost, and he said, pray to the Lord of the harvest, thrust out laborers into his harvest field, what makes you think Lucas and I can reach them all in Des Moines? Come on now. If Jesus and his 12 disciples couldn't do the job, what makes you think that Pastor Nietzsche and I and the small group leaders can do it? We can't. And, and, and that, is, that is the mind game. That is the trick. That is the blinders that Satan puts on the body of Christ. And when we think that it's the ministry's job to reach the lost, We forget. We disconnect. We disassociate ourselves with our purpose. And when we do that, a life without purpose has no power or strength. A life without purpose, a life without vision has no power or strength. And we wonder why we struggle because we're spending all of our effort, all of our energy, all, all, all of our time on things in the world. What we're going to eat, what we're going to drink, and what we're going to wear. But seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. You can, do, you can do those things. You can labor in the world. But if you labor with the purpose, now you have provision. If you labor with the purpose, now you have protection. If you labor with the purpose, now you're in the will of God. And all of a sudden, you are becoming an overcoming follower of Christ. Not because of the things you do, but because of the invisible hand of God that comes comes upon your life and blesses you because you're walking in what he destined you for since the beginning of the world, since the foundation of creation. He purposed you in Christ Jesus to lead the lost to him. The fourth habit is being missional. Everybody say commandment. 
we, we had this discussion with our small group leaders and there was a discussion that, that commandment is too strong of a word. It would turn, turn people off. It would, it, and, and you know what? In today's society, that's true. We don't want to be told what to do. What do you do when somebody says, this is what you're going to do? What, what's the first thing that rises up on the inside? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like H-E double toothpicks. No, I'm not going to. Mm, you're going to make me do nothing, sweet pea. Matter of fact, I'm going to do just the opposite to prove you wrong. That, that, that's our first, that's our gut reaction. But Jesus gave us all a commandment. Is a commandment optional? Come on, if, if somebody is in authority over you, if they're, if they're in charge, if they're, if they're in charge of wherever it is that you work, or if you're working for them, is a commandment optional? If you're in the military and you don't do what your, your commanding officer says, what happens to you? They kick you out. You get court-martialed. What happens if you're in a job and your boss tells you to do something and you say, no, I'm not doing it? You get fired. <laughs> are, you, are you getting what co commandment means? Jesus said this in John chapter 13, verse 34, because there was a bunch of Jewish people around him. He says, what's the most important commandment? What, what, what do we have to do to get to heaven? What's the bare bone minimums? What's the bare bone minimum that I have to do so that I can get to paradise? And Jesus said this, so now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I've loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. I would, I would rather not eat pork. Because not eating pork, even though, how many of you guys love bacon? Can I see your hands? Come on. Let me see. See, we're Iowans. Look at that. Wow. How many of you guys would rather, if, if, if you had a choice of not eating pork or loving people so that you can get to heaven, which one is easier? Not eating pork for me. Because love is my biggest struggle and love is your biggest struggle. Because love is truly preferring somebody over yourself. It's not a feeling of, you know, being aroused. It's not a feeling of, of you know, emotional thing. It is preferring somebody and serving somebody. That's what love really is. I would rather not eat pork. If, if I had to choose a commandment, I would rather not eat bacon. Now, cheese? Nah, I'm doing pretty good with that. I used to, no, that used to be my hang-up. But if I had to choose, he said, now you're going to love each other. And I want you to see something. When you look at the scripture and you see the commandment of love, Jesus isn't talking to you about first loving the world, loving those that are not in Christ. He's always talking to his disciples. He said, you love each other. You love the person next to you. You love the people in the body of Christ. Because it's harder to love somebody that you hang with than somebody you just see on an occasion. That's why the hardest person for you to love is the person that you're closest to. The hardest person to love is your spouse. The second hardest people to love are usually your children, your aunts and your uncles and the people that are close to you because you have more expectation. It's easier to love people in the church because you only see them once or twice a week. And it's a whole lot easier to love those people in the world because you see them on a rare occasion. 
So Jesus says, if you're going, if people are going to know that you're, you're my disciples and you're going to love each other, that's the commandment. And then, then he says, your love for one another will prove that you're my disciples. So if you're bickering and fighting and, and, and hating and lying on and gossiping about each other, what does that prove? If, if loving each other proves that we're Jesus' disciples, whose disciples do you think it would look like we are when we're gossiping and hating and murmuring each other? Moses' disciples? Jesus' disciples? Elijah's disciples? Paul's disciples? Or the devil's disciples? I would say if we're bickering and fighting, murmuring and grumbling one to another, then it does have the appearance that we are Satan's disciples. And I don't know about you, if I were in the world, I wouldn't want to be part of that group. So Jesus gave us a commandment, but he, the commandment is to love. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, he said, And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And the second commandment is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said this, No other commandment is greater than these. Everybody say commandment. Love each other. Love the world. Love each other. Love the world. I want to say something, and I'm going to say it because I, I love you. Don't you hate it when somebody says that? With all due respect, I need to tell you this. Now, with love, brother, I want to tell you this. Maybe the biggest reason that people won't come to church is because of the way we treat each other. Maybe if we could see each other through the, 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 the eyes of compassion through the lenses of love. It's not easy, okay? It's not easy. Love is, a, love is not a decision only. It's also a spiritual force. That's why God said the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. Why? So we could draw on that to love one another, to give grace, to, to, to give mercy. Come on, to maybe lower our expectations of each other. Because until we do, until we learn to love, we'll never tap into the authority and the power that God has really given us in Christ Jesus. And we'll never fulfill the mission that, that he's given us. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 makes it really plain. It's kind of it's ouchy. It kind of hurts. If someone says, I love a God, if I love God but hates a fellow believer, that's a liar. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? And he's given us this commandment. Those who love God must love their fellow believers. The Bible says, let every, everything be established by two or three witnesses. I've just given you three witnesses that said he has given us the command to love. And here's where, here's where I hope you're in the same place I am. God, I don't know how to do that. Help. Please, please help me. Because I don't know how to, I mean, I know the ultimate is that I lay down my life for somebody else like Jesus laid down his life for me. Yes, but I don't really want to be crucified and nobody's doing that anymore today. So how do I lay down my life for other people? Well, that's a daily struggle. 
If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we learn how to love. If we're going to fulfill the mission that he's given us, we first have to take on the commandment and take it seriously. Maybe we should stop worrying about whether or not you drink a glass of wine. Maybe we should stop worrying about whether or not you, you eat bacon. Maybe we should stop worrying about whether or not you do this or that or visit this place or that place. Maybe we should just worry about are we loving one another? Because we can't love them until we love one another. And we can't love him until we love one another. So we lie to ourselves when we say, I love him with all of my heart, but I don't like you. That's not true. I do like you. I don't like you, empty chair. We lie to ourselves. And the word of God says the truth is not in us. Now, that, that may mean you have true, you understand a lot in the Word of God, but in that area of your life, you're blind. In that area of your life where you're not loving a brother or sister in Christ, guess what? You can't see the truth because you're lying to yourself. Well, that person deserves it. You don't know what they did. It doesn't matter what they did. Let me tell you, let me tell you a true story. I was in Honduras, and, and this is back before Nija and I were doing mass crusades, and the healing anointing was really powerful in those days. And when this lady came up, and she had, she had a, her stomach was distended. She had a tumor in her, her huge, little skinny thing, huge tumor. And we were praying for the sick, and the anointing was there. And I went to lay hands on her, and I, nothing, I could, nothing, I could feel it. The anointing would not go in her. It, would not, it wasn't flowing from heaven through me to her. And I looked at her with my natural eyes, and I just whispered to myself, God, what is it? And God said, she thinks her sister slept with her husband, and she won't forgive her. Well, now, I, I, I had matured in the Lord. I knew what I needed to do. I didn't need to tell her that. I said, God, can I tell her that? Just because you know doesn't mean you say. And he said, Yes. So I had to talk to the translator. I said, okay, you whisper this in your ear. You're not being healed because you, you're holding unforgiveness against your sister. And, and she says, well, that's true. I said, well, you need to forgive her. She goes, I won't. You don't know what she did. I said, I do know what you think she did. You think she slept with your husband. And she said, that's exactly right. That was 17 years ago, and I'm not going to forgive her. And I said, sit down and die. I wanted to... I wanted for the healing power of God to flow through her. I said, honey, I can't help you. God said you need to forgive her. You need to walk in love. It's your life. And that's a choice so many people make. They want to hold on to the offense instead of walking in love. And all of the, the grace, all of the power, all of the authority, all of the blessing of God is in the love walk. And the love walk hurts. Our, it hurts. So people got healed, blind eyes got healed, deaf, deaf ears got opened, uh, people who had tumors, you know, visible tumors shrunk. It was an amazing night of miracles. And she came back up at the end of service and she's just crying like a baby. And she said, I forgive her, I forgive her. I talked to God, I forgive her. Laid hands on her and that stomach went shh, just right back to normal. Now listen, it may not be that dramatic here. But maybe some things in your life are being held up because you're not walking in love. And it takes the power of God to do it. Guys, it's hard. It's hard. 
Jesus had to go to the cross in, in love for you. He, he, had to, he had to endure the scourging. He had to endure the suffering. He had to endure the, the whipping. He had to endure the nails in his hands. He had to endure what people were saying about him. But he did it because he was powered by love. Everybody say commandment. So Jesus has given us a commandment to love, but he's also given us a, what we call the great commission. Everybody say commission. Commission is made up of two words. It's co and mission. Guess what? It has a mission. A mission has a vision. And the vision was to see the lost come to salvation through Christ. You have been given that job. You can't do that job like you should if you don't attempt to walk in love. But once we begin walking in love, Mark chapter 16 says, and then Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Not just the ones you like. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. And these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out devils in my name. They'll pick up, they'll speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes safely. And if they drink anything poison, poisonous, it won't hurt them. And they'll be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. So he says, go into all the world and preach this good news. Share. Let's say share. Because when we say preach, guess what you all do? You look toward the preacher. When we say proclaim, immediately you look toward the preacher. And even when we say declare, you look toward somebody that's got a platform. You've got a bigger platform than most preachers. Every single person that you come in contact with, from the person at the Casey's cash register to, to the person that works beside you in a cubicle or works at, with you in the office or works with you in the garage or the customer that comes in, you have a huge platform. Share the message, the good news. First, Second Corinthians, now let's go to Luke chapter 24, 47. Jesus said, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached or proclaimed in Jesus' name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. That's the good news. Forgiveness of sins. I think we lose sight of where we were. Where we were was a dark place. Where we were was hopeless. Where we were didn't have vision of a future. Because sin, we still have sin in our lives, but it doesn't dominate our thoughts. We were laden with guilt. We carried guilt and shame everywhere we went for the things that we've done. But when we came to Jesus, we have an avenue, we have a way that our sins can be put away. That, that, that the penalty or the, the debt for the sins that we created could be paid. We forget how much brighter our life is compared to the way it was. And for those of us who've been in Christ all of our lives, we may not even know how dark it can be 
without Jesus because with Jesus we have a way to deal with the guilt and the shame and to have our sin put away from us so that our future is, is envisioned with a lighter load. Can you imagine right now envisioning your future as if everything that you did in the past will affect your, the direction of your life? Could you imagine thinking that everything that I had done and all of the penalties that, that need to be paid and the debt that's owed for all of the things I've done, that is going to be with me all the way until I die? My future is totally different thinking that way. <coughs> the world is that way. They're like sheep without a shepherd they're harassed by the devil by people by governments by neighbors they're confused because they don't know truth and the best thing that they could do is fight and fight a lot so that they get on top and they can get theirs but they're carrying Oh, wait, do you remember the Christmas carol? There was one that Jim Carrey did, not, and, 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 and the, just the image of the ghosts of the past who were carrying their sins, chains wrapped around them, and, 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 and chests and suitcases and, and, and boxes that they were lugging behind them were their sins of their past. That is an image of somebody who is harassed and confused. And you know something. You have the key to unlock that chain. You, you have the ability to free them of their burden if they'll only receive Jesus Christ. You can introduce them to somebody who will give them a future that is bright, a future that is empowered. So Jesus is, is calling upon you and calling upon me, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is the, the mission. Uh, God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. We are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. I think that you should pray for your friends who aren't saved. I think you should pray for your relatives who aren't saved. I think you should pray for your neighbors who aren't saved. I think you should pray for your coworkers who aren't saved. But if all you do is pray, there's a good chance they're going to hell. Angels can't preach this message. Jesus can't declare himself to, to people in a physical way anymore. You carry the message, and it's simple. Hey, Jesus died for you. God raised him from the dead. If you'll, if you'll trust in him and you make him the Lord of your life, Man, your, your sins will be forgiven. Your, your spirit will be made new. And God will, God will pour himself in you so you don't have to live by your own power alone anymore. You don't have to live by your own strength alone anymore. And, and your future, the future that you've seen, that you wanted to see, it's available to you as you walk with God. Let me help you pray. See, 
I want you to hear the scripture again. God has given us the task of reconciling people to himself. And he's given us the message, this message of reconciliation. So we're Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Well, I've tried and they don't listen. Well, first let's check our love walk. First, let's see if we're walking in love with one to another. First, let's check our tongue to see if we're gossips. First, let's, come on, let, 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 let's put ourselves through a little bit of scrutiny here. Let's consider our ways. You know, if the word of God is first in our life and we're praying and we consider our ways, see, we're a vessel that's meat ready to, that's what the King James says, we're ready to be used by God. Matthew chapter 28. Jesus said this right before he ascended into the heavens. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, when you hear nations, uh, here, here's what my brain does. My brain immediately goes into countries. It goes to the flags out there. But that's not what the word nations mean. The word nations is a Greek word, ethnos. It's where we get the word ethnicity. So Jesus said, you go and you proclaim this message to every culture. Every race, every language group, every person. This is the last thing he said. This is the last thing he said before he ascended in the heavens. He said, you go and you proclaim. He said the same thing he said to his disciples in a different way. He said, go and make, I'll make you fishers of men. You're a, you're a fisherman. You're a fisherwoman. We hunt in a godly way. We hunt people. We, we bring them home. And the way the American church is set up, guys, if you can't pray with them, bring them here. Bring them to small group. If we want to be the head and not the tail, if we want to be the first and at the beginning and not the end, if we want to walk in the blessing of God, then we need to be fishers of men. We need to fulfill the commandment that he gave us and we need to fulfill the mission. And the mission is to win souls. That's why we say it, love, lead, teach. It's that simple. Would you say that with me? Love, lead, teach. One more time. Love, lead, teach. Of course we love God, but we love others. We lead others to Jesus. We teach others how to follow him. It's that simple. That's what Christianity is. We love others, we lead others, and we teach others. Do you notice the one word that's in all of that? others we see from our own set of eyes we hear from our own set of ears our life is pretty much centered on ourselves 
And Jesus said our life is supposed to be just the opposite. It's for others. If you want to be the head, not the tail. If you want to walk in, in an overcoming way in Christ Jesus, then we need to fulfill the commandment. We need to begin to intentionally walk out this great commission. We're committed to the purposes of Christ Jesus. We're dedicated to the Lord Jesus' commandment to love, and we are intentional about fulfilling his commission to love, lead, and to teach. Would you bow your head with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this word this morning. I know it's challenging. I know it's tough, and I know it leaves us with this feeling of how, what do I do next? So, Lord, for those that are here this morning, I just pray that those who desire it, those who want it, that you impart to them what their next step is. How do they adjust their love walk? Who do they begin to share their faith with? And those that they've shared their faith with, how do they teach them? Lord, we thank you for the small groups this week that'll help us do these things. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you need to make your relationship right with God. If you need to receive Jesus in your life this morning, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm just going to, I'm just going to ask you in a minute to lift up your hand and then Cole's going to pray with you. Maybe you've made Jesus the Lord of your life in the past, but you, you've walked away from him. Or maybe this morning the message has really touched your heart. We have been created with a purpose. And as we yield to that, man, the blessing of the Lord will begin to open up in your life. Now, if that's you, would you just raise your hand right now? So, yes, yes. Is there anybody else? Yes. Is there anybody else? Yes. See that in the back? Yes. Pastor Nietzsche and I love you. Would you stand to your feet as Cole leads us in a prayer? If that was you this morning, let's go ahead and pray together. You can repeat after me. Father God, Father God, I believe in you. I believe in you. I believe in your son. I believe in your son. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he died for me. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe that he rose from the dead. I believe that he is the conqueror. I believe that he is the conqueror. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, fill me. I give my life to you today. I give my life to you today. And I vow to live for you every day of my life. I vow to live for you every day. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.